So Telegram is one of the main communication platforms out there. I know you were introducing me to a new social media platform. And I tell people this all the time, like I always go and get my name from any social media platform. And I should probably stop saying that because people will then try to go and beat me to it. But it is a thing that I do because I don't want to have a situation like the homie Marine rapper had where somebody just ganked his name and they acted like they were him. And I've seen people on Instagram do that with me. Uh, but Telegram is, it's, it's a chat platform, right? But it's more for niche type subjects. More, I use it for like cryptocurrency. That's the only place that I've actually used it is for whenever I'm looking into like, okay, which cryptocurrency group is, you know, pushing this or they're pushing that or something like that. So Telegram is a lot like Discord, except I feel like it's less community and more product based. And then you have Stack. I don't know if you ever heard, you ever heard of Stack? No, you're Stack? much hipper than I am. Oh no, it's just, it's just <laughs> super nerdy, right? So Stack is for like developers all the coders and stuff, they all, cause it allows you to post code in a certain way where it's un, un, you know, altered and stuff like that. And the code, you can see if the code works inside the, the stack environment and stuff. So there's that as well. Uh, but Telegram is the main place that I use for updates in communities about projects and crypto. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's, the, uh, that's the, the Telegram thing. So you should definitely check that out when you get a chance. I absolutely will. I'll do it as soon as we're done with this episode. Yeah. And if, if there are any other listeners out there with other platforms and stuff that they listen to, go ahead and shoot them my way. I'm always interested in new social media platforms. Even though I may not always adopt them, I'll go get my name. I didn't realize we were recording, man. How's everyone doing today? Yeah, I thought you knew. <laughs> no, I, I remember you saying that's a good place to start, but that's just when I looked away and saw because uh, Logan walked into the room. And uh, he, he was just sort of looking at me. I was like, oh no, do I got to take him out real quick? And then I looked over and I saw the red light. And I was like, oh, that's not happening right now. But yeah, man. So uh, we just got off the interview with uh, a pretty interesting person. They were talking about mental health. Um, I'm not going to try to butcher her name. I know her name was Michelle, but her last name, I'm pretty sure I was going to absolutely destroy. So yeah, Michelle De, De Maria, and we're uh, releasing that episode Friday. I'm pretty pumped. It was it was a, it was a f- pretty fascinating talk. She uh, she definitely had quite the story to share. Y'all are in for a treat when we release that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like I would love to get more people like that on to share their stories. And I know she's attached to a foundation, which you know we obviously have an interest in. But you know, sometimes it it it's a good thing for people to come on and just share their stories. And, and it doesn't have to be a story where you started a company at the end of it. It's just your story. And it might be an interesting story to tell. Well, storytelling is one of the most human things there is. It's, yeah. uh, it's one of the most adaptable uh, or adaptive ways of communicating with people because a story can mean so much to so many different people. Uh, and it has so many different meanings to them as well. You can, you can apply one person's uh, triumphs to your own to your own life and based on your own personal adversities, and I, I think that's the that's the beauty of storytelling and and why we're both so attracted to their presence, no matter yeah. the medium and the tropes that make them up. Because I often think I'm just a character, whether the main character or a side character in some grand novel, 
some grand story that is being told because story is a primary component to reality. And I think about that all the time. I don't know if that's uh, wishful thinking or, you know, just humans trying to make themselves more important than they already are, but it's like, I think about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I know you love the God as a storyteller uh, philosophy or, mm. or, or like the tropes of the universe. Well, it's uh, it's more of the, uh, it's like the author's paradox, right? Yeah, Where God is like, an author. That's yeah, how, how do you know that you're not a side character in some other author's book that they're writing? Like you write, and I'm, su- I, I'm, I'm assuming that you write characters in a world full of characters right there's a but this world is busy there's people there's community and those people if they aren't real if they are just something that you don't even believe when you write that then okay maybe it's not real in the traditional sense but i think that there's a level of real or truth that we write that with that you would write that with that would give a reality to those beings so if this is one of those stories i'd be willing to entertain that well, I think the fascinating point around that idea is it then raises the question of who the protagonist is. And you have to be a special kind of arrogance to believe that you're the protagonist in a universe as vast as ours. Agreed. I think this is a part of the reason why I think human arrogance just drives the idea that God created them to be the center of, you know, all the cosmic battles to be fought henceforth. Because you know, even the argument is made that the first creation of God, Lucifer, was cast out of heaven because he didn't want man to take the place of, of favored amongst God's creations, right? This is the, the general story of like, you know, Christendom, right? Like this idea that, you know, not only did, did Lucifer try to challenge for the throne of God, it was because this idea of man having some sort of a special place that angels didn't really have. And I always thought that that was a different type of arrogance that people would think like the chosen people of God. I always thought that this was a different type of arrogance as well. It was like out of all the people, God has a favorite type people. And that would seem much more flawed, much more of a flawed attribute for the God being that they're describing than it'd be much more likely that that being true. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. Is it arrogant? Sure. I've always thought that that was arrogant, but even in the sense of that arrogance compared to the arrogance of uh, believing that a creator God made you favored amongst all his creations, that's pretty arrogant too. Absolutely. And I mean, in your, uh, one of your songs, you, I forgot the scientist that you, that you have talking about it, who, about, uh, type three organizations and the arrogance of man thinking that these super beings would need to come to earth just to see what we're doing. Michio Kaku, absolutely. Dr. Michio Kaku, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's always funny that humans believe that we're so important that aliens would want to stop here. If I was an alien passing by this ship in my you know FTL type ship, my relativistic faster than you know light type ship breaking all the laws of physics that we know, I wouldn't even notice humanity. Humanity would be so far off my radar. There would be nothing that they would need. What is the most precious of a resource on planet Earth? Is it gold? I, I don't know. Because like it's certainly not diamond for one, because I know right. there's like a diamond planet. Yeah. Um, as far as like carbon diamond planet out there somewhere. I don't know where it is, but you could probably make the argument for water. 
just because I know that we've been exploring and haven't been able to find liquid water to much success. But isn't that more of an issue of being able to rearrange the base atomic materials to create the configuration of H2O? Um, if you have the technology to travel faster than light, I'm going to assume that you figure that out as well. Like, because science fiction has made it so commonplace for us to assume that in the future we will be able to break the speed of light, let me break this bad news to everybody out there. I don't think there's any species in the universe, in this universe, that has broken the speed of light or can break the speed of light. I think it's one of those things in, in real reality, quote unquote real reality, that is just something that beings with mass can't achieve. Uh, maybe there's some sort of a trick in, in, in the quantum realm where things are entangled to a point where you might be able to send information instantaneously that doesn't violate that speed limit. But for all intent and purposes, the way we understand reality and the physics that describe them, it doesn't look like faster than light travel is going to be a thing, right? So that's something that we all just assume is going to be, and it may not be a thing. So this being that's traveling in the universe that we're talking about, uh, and it notices humanity, if it is truly going faster than the speed of light, then it has broken all of our conventional understandings about the standard model, general relativity, special relativity, mass, uh, information paradoxes, everything that we've all thought about the travel of information and the speed of light. So I don't even know if we would be interesting enough for that being to have, have, have accomplished that to notice us enough to stop down and say, oh, they have some hydrogen you know, configuration that I may need. I don't know if they would need that. There'd probably be other planets out there that have more water than we have and less of the 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 issue of having to take it from a being. Not that we could well, fight. That's why I always like the, uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where the reason that um, Earth is even brought up is that they're building an intergalactic highway and Earth is in the way. So they're basically using a, uh, I mean, they're, they're just gonna just they're gonna demolish it. it. Like yeah, they're just, just yeah, it, yeah, and pay it, pave over it like it's nothing. And it, it, it touches on the bureaucracy of uh, 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 of trying to stop work that uh, harms people's lives because they, they basically put it in perspective of uh, the main character early in the chapter, Arthur, uh, his home, his personal home is being destroyed for a highway. Mm -hmm. And the person in charge of the construction is like, well, if you had a problem with it, you could have visited this office uh, this many months ago and filed an appeal and all this other stuff. And they don't see any big deal because it only affects one person. And then you sort of uh, zoom out or scope out. And it's this, uh, this alien federation that doesn't see a big deal because it's only affecting one planet. Mm. And, and it's always the question of, you know, Picard asked this question in Star Trek Insurrection, the worst of the TNG movies. But he says, how many does it take before it becomes wrong? You displace one person. Is it wrong if it's necessary? Okay, maybe that's not wrong, but what about 10? What about 100,000? What about a couple million? At what point does it become wrong if the ends justify the means? Yeah, and uh, it's one of those ethical philosophy questions that we never have a satisfying answer for. I mean, it's eerily similar to what, what is it—the the train car debate? Of you can oh yeah can, yeah yeah 
you can turn a train car so it either it runs over one person or three people and then most people on the first I guess they're like i'm gonna turn it so it kills one person and save more people and then you're like okay but what if that one person is your father and the three people are terrorists and then, yeah or, or, or yeah so the, let's make it easier three people are strangers okay well then i'm gonna obviously save my father okay but what if the three people are babies mm. damn I never heard that version of it, but that's crazy. <laughs> I was just spitballing there. I mean, you can no, fill it in with whatever great. you want. Well, it's it's even crazier because some people were like, well, sh- I mean, I, first of all, I didn't have a great relationship with my father, so it doesn't matter at that point. And then other people would be like, man, I don't care whose babies those are. That's my dad. Like, I'll just have to live with that. You know, I don't know those babies. Like, they just, they'll put that part of the emotional attachment to what's going to happen this is why i believe that we don't care about what happens outside of our borders in the same way we care about what happens inside our borders because the mind can only care so much there's a finite amount of caring in the mind in the emotional range maybe some people can care infinitely i don't believe that i think there's only so many things you can care about before it's just like listen i i care about what happens here on earth but i can't care about if there's another planet out there with their own problems and their own wars and i can't think about that that's the limit to my caring is going to remain on this rock until for some reason we expand beyond this rock and I'm able to connect with what we expand out to. But until then there's a connection there. There's no reason for me to, to, to think about planet Zordon with the, you know, the Zulians and shit and they're beefing with their own people. And I'm going to think about that and care. Probably not. I'd be lying to you if I told you I was caring. I mean, we have people who don't even care uh, we, we have like northerners currently who don't even care about the struggles of people in Texas who don't have the infrastructure for a blizzard. So to talk about the empathy required to care about beings thousands of light years away is a level of empathy that I think I, we can safely say no one has. And 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 no one, you know, human has. You have to ask if an alien who was able to reach that level of technology had to give that up years ago in order to reach that level of technology. So they wouldn't even... It wouldn't even compute that they were wiping out an entire civilization, an entire species, probably 7 billion different species on the planet. Like, they wouldn't care. Pave over this thing. We need that highway because you know what? Trillions of people, trillions of beings in the Federation depend on this highway. Well, I would almost say that it's almost like if you want to reach that level of development, their currency has to be intelligence or like or, or, or patents or, or information or of some kind. information yeah. of some kind because what you're talking about there of trading almost a portion of your morality for uh furthering a species is similar to our conversations of trading a portion of your morality for financial gain and money mm. i mean this goes back to one of our earliest debates of can you be a moral billionaire, billionaire. that's absolutely uh, right wow because I've always said, and I still stand by it, I think you can keep your humanity and be a millionaire, probably even like tens of millions of dollars. I don't think you reach that three comma level without fucking over a ton of people, ruining some lives and being hella greedy. I have no rebuttal. I used to have a rebuttal to that. I, I don't know if I have a rebuttal now because I just, we scoped Your it all the, the way. Your the Clippers. <laughs> yeah, well, look, we scoped it all the way out to, you know, a transgalactic federation that needs this space for this one species. And I can safely say, you know, look, I could be wrong, but I'm just going to assume in order for the beings to get to that level of technology to create the transgalactic federation that we're talking about, you probably had to pave over a few planets. 
you probably did. There's like serious genocide. Here, here's the thing. That ain't the first planet they were paving over, right? They've obviously, there's an industry of this. The dude was doing it like it was nothing. And it's a planet. I was just saying, yeah, not even the successful ones. Think of all the failures, like the failed planets that they tried to destroy for no success except knowledge. Right. So that's why, you, man, I don't know. It, that's that's a hard thing to try to 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 figure out. I don't know if you can be a moral billionaire. It's because power is one of those things, and by power I mean at, at ease of access. So if you have some weird, I was talking about this the other day. If you have some weird psychological issue where you hate a certain people whatever that is right let's say if you're racist or you're sexist or if there's weird issue with animals or something like let's that let's just say fish yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just go something safe you okay, hate goldfish fish. right you hate goldfish how much damage do you think you're going to do to the goldfish population if you're poor uh again yeah probably very little just because your top priorities are where am i going to sleep tonight where am i going to eat tonight do i have uh heating right and so if you scale that up to someone who has a billion dollars and they hate goldfish, they absolutely hate goldfish. They will go out of their way to spend money to fuck goldfish over. As long as it's not negatively impacting their bottom line. So they'll probably be doing some trial and error and they'll, 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 they'll meet market demand and market supply of, so for if they, if they just come right out and just say, okay, I'm going to go out and kill goldfish. And then that affects their their bottom line. They're right. like, okay, I got to scale it back a little bit because this is now hurting me. So instead of, uh, in, instead of killing them, I'm just going to segregate them, lock them away. Uh, or I'm going to make access to certain things. Cause if you, if you own a sector, they can no longer access my sector and I'll be sure to just make it, make it more nuanced, uh, but make sure that it's less accessible to them and just slowly scale back. So you're fucking over that population of goldfish without outright attacking them. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty compelling example. <clears throat> and the reason why I think it's compelling because once again, you're only talking about ease of access when you have the resources to be able to implement whatever your agenda is. And if your agenda is, I hate goldfish and you can replace goldfish with anything, the impact of your agenda with a billion dollars is gonna be far greater felt than if you don't have that type of the resources to enact your agenda. So yeah, I, I'm not saying that it's a guarantee that a billionaire is gonna be a complete shitbag. I just think it's far more likely than I did before. Yeah. Or at the very least, it's easier for them to act on it. Because... Right. But if, it, yeah, and if it's easier for you to act on it, then your ease of access is greater than all, that adds to the whole, you're being corrupted greater by the power that you have because the ease of access is so great. It, it yeah, man, it, it's a weird kind of power, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, you know, I don't know, man, even at my, my greatest moments, I would still think like, man, if I had a billion dollars and I had a shitty moment, I can imagine what the spillover would be and how much collateral damage would be caused by my fucking meltdown I felt think, think thought about all the meltdowns I've had in life and all the shitty decisions that I've made. I wasn't a millionaire. I'm not a billionaire. I don't have crazy amounts of financial reach in that way. But imagine if I did, and I made those mistakes. Yeesh. You talking? I mean, about I can give. 
as I, I can give a lighthearted example, which I know is ultimately damaging, but I still think it's also funny. Mm-hmm. I'm from Buffalo. I grew up a huge Buffalo Sabres fan. I grew mm-hmm. up loathing the Toronto Maple Leafs. I used to joke that one of my goals in life was to be wealthy enough to buy the Toronto Maple Leafs and move them to Mexico where no one likes hockey and just destroy that franchise and that logo. Yeah, I mean, oof, wow, that's that's some serious beefing between the Mapes and the Sabres. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know you felt that way about them. Do you still feel that way about them? Nah, I, I don't care as much about them. I just said that, that that was when I was like, that was probably like 2005, 2006 when the well, Sabres were actually highly competitive. Well, if it's any consolation, the Maple Leafs haven't won, so. Since 67, yeah, 63? <laughs> Like a long time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In fact, what, in fact, no you, Canadian. Team I was going to say you, yeah, yeah, you told me that no Canadian team has won, and I had to think back. Like, wait it's a like minute. It's like early two thousand, I think. I think yeah. it was like two thousand three, and it was Montreal or something like that. Yeah. So. Or two thousand two. Yeah. But here's the thing. I mean, it goes back to this conversation of arrogance, right? Which is, am I the center of the universe? I do feel like when we were having our interview earlier, one of the things that she had said that was interesting is like noticing people tense up, right? And I didn't get a chance to say it because I don't want to break her thought. But a lot of people don't have the self-awareness to know when they're affecting people in that way. It's when you see someone tense up or clench their fist or start doing something fidgety or something like that. It's like you could be bringing an energy in that makes people react that way. But if you think you're the center of the universe, why would you care? This is my story, right? So it's like, I wonder if people require a greater self-awareness in order to, to, to tune into that sort of thing. I don't know if they, if most people have that or not. I think you're right. I mean, I think self-awareness does bring other tools that ultimately assist you in some kind of enlightenment. Because I, I know that... I went through a huge Eastern philosophy binge uh, mm-hmm. during quarantine just because I, I I love they're, they're less it's it, it was less I mean Confucius is pretty structured but um, they're they're less rigid rules and and more emotional intelligence I guess we can say based on uh, on like what you brought up using using the terminology you used like I, I loved reading about Taoism I loved reading about uh, Lao Tzu uh, and as far as where to find enlightenment it's usually through humility. And I know that's incredibly easy to say and incredibly difficult to practice because Mm. just being human comes with some level of arrogance. Uh, But it really does, just having that self-awareness, I think naturally nurtures a sense of humility because having that self-awareness, I think naturally kills pride. But pride has to be killed. I, I think well, there is it's something. a deadly sin, so it kills you or you kill it. Yeah, I think there is. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have pride in certain things, but I feel like there is a, a an inherent weakness in pride because without it, why would you still not be as proudful about your value to, I don't know, humanity, the cosmos, existence, whatever, like life, your life. That is the most valuable thing. And I don't know if you can diminish that value or increase that value based on things, uh, beliefs. That value is still there. The value of life is still there, regardless of how despicable or how virtuous whatever person, whatever life you're describing. It's still the same value to me. Now, people will say, well, what about the worst type of human? Yeah, no, I get that. 
their value is still the same, but yeah, our view of them will allow us to basically say, Hey, you don't deserve to be around here anymore. Um, you, you can't, you can't interact with society. Yeah. I mean, as far as pride is, so pride is something I definitely take to heart because I, I would say one of my greatest weaknesses throughout my entire life has been arrogance. Um, it's, it's been something I've always had an issue with. I've either lacked complete self-confidence and therefore I would cope with, with like over pride or over, or over arrogance, or I'd actually be finding successes, which then justify that arrogance. And it's something I've been hyper aware of. It's something I've really wanted to correct uh, because I know that it just gets in the way of true development. And it then brings me to what you mentioned of the importance of maintaining some pride. I'm not sure how true that is because it's almost like I understand what you're saying, but it's almost like then I, I want to separate pride from confidence. Uh, like let's, yeah. let's separate those two. Like is yeah. having confidence in something, having pride in something or, or is that different? Well, that's a good question because, you know, it is a word I really, 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 I just can't stand this word, but it's not really an N word like it used to be, but swag. Remember the word swag? everyone had swag right that was the word that was the the type of confidence it was a different type of confidence it was almost like it was just short of arrogance but it was still like a heightened version of confidence and i always just didn't like I, it wasn't that I, I i hated what it stood for i just didn't never like the word just the, sonically it never it was it wasn't a good word for me but i do think that there is a heightened level of or heightened sense of confidence when some people refer to certain things about themselves because they feel like it's something they should be confident in. Uh, the history of their people, uh, the history of their family, the accomplishments that they, they feel like they have worked their way to do, right? So you kind of walk around with this um, heightened sense of confidence because you feel like you should be confident about the things that you either worked for or people of your lineage worked for. And I don't know where the line is. I don't know if it's, you know, one level short of being arrogant or being conceited, I think, which is probably the next level. But I don't think there's anything wrong with a heightened sense of, of confidence when it's justified. Yeah, uh, so first off, as far as swag is concerned, I think it's funny you brought it up because swag was so popular, I think partially because it was in the like it would be fascinating to look at how choruses of the most popular songs shape culture and and society for for brief periods of time mm -hmm. uh, i know we've talked about how hip-hop is no longer counterculture it's more culture defining oh, yeah. and is, is culture now hip-hop brought swag into that zeitgeist uh, like i because it, it was in the chorus of just about every hip-hop song in mid-2000 um so I, I just as far as that was concerned, I, th I think that's a, a little, I don't know, fun non sequitur. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like we, we, there have been words that hip hop has made mainstream that I didn't have issues with, but I just felt like that word was just so lame. Well, I mean, I know he didn't create it or anything, but I know Soldier Boy definitely popularized it. And Did he? Well, he he didn't. He had a uh, he had turn my swag on, which was one of like it, like when that came out, it was a huge song. Now I know he as I said, I know he didn't invent the word. I just also know that plenty of middle schoolers and young high school kids were uh, dancing to that at their prompts and homecomings, and probably being introduced to that word for the first time. You know what I think about a lot? 
is someone like a soldier boy naming himself when he was how old? I don't know. He was like 13, 14. He started calling himself he, that. He was like teens. Yeah, he was yeah. definitely in his teens. Yeah, definitely in his teens. Let's just say he was 16. Now, I named myself Apocalypse. Wasn't really I my idea. It was, you know, one of my good best friends, older brothers of mine. It was kind of his idea. But anyway, I kind of adopted that name in my teens. And I realized around like 25 that that name was not going to give me the ability to grow and expand, right? It was just a very dark connotation type name. And shortly after, obviously, I, I came up with Graydon Square and I've been running with it ever since. But for someone who, like Soldier Boy, who he's a man now, I'm assuming, right? Like he didn't stay a boy forever. He's, so, he's Soldier Man. Is he Soldier Man? No, I don't think he actually goes by that. Oh. Uh, but it's that's a tougher one to change it's because like Lil Bow Wow just became Bow Wow yeah Lil Wayne didn't he just become Wheezy it, but but Soldier Boy I don't think he upgraded to Soldier Man I think he's just Soldier maybe and that would even be not uh, I don't know I, I think that would be lamer it's not as it, it, I was gonna say it's, it's not as smooth of a transition as uh, Lil Bow Wow to Bow Wow yeah if you put Lil in front of your name or Young that's probably okay because you can become old or just yeah, drop it. Yeah. But you can't take boy and leave that in your name if you're not going to add the the men to it. I mean, I guess unless you're boys to men, and you can have both. But I don't know. I, I think about if I would have kept my name from when I was 16, 17 years old, would I have made it to hip hop? And I don't think so. Maybe if you were a little apocalypse. Little Apoc. <laughs> then you could have grown to apocalypse. Little Apoc. Nah, that would have been terrible. That, that would have been a mouthful. Yeah, I always thought Apocalypse was a mouthful. I thought, it if I'm being completely honest, I never thought it was a good name. I never thought it was a good name. I think what I was attracted to was how it made me feel when I rapped. It was like I could feel like Apocalypse and have this, you know, menacing kind of overtone and super dark and that sort of stuff. But was it a good name? Apocalypse. Mm, probably not for me. I'm not saying it's not a good name for somebody out there, but it probably didn't fit me. It is a name where when you enter a room, you probably have to dominate that room. Yeah. And if somebody, you introduce yourself and like, Hey man, what's your name? Apocalypse. Can what? you imagine that Tinder profile? Yeah. It's like, wait, what? And, and, and it's not to say like you, you can't have that name and make it your own, but I always felt like it would elicit the wrong type of assumptions like why would he call himself that and what about your energy is apocalyptic and do i want to be a part of that all fair questions yeah, I mean, if you ask me absolutely because it's also one of those things where it's like do you want apocalypse to succeed because what does that mean for everyone listening to him like are they cheering on the end of time even for entertainment purposes right? even well because i mean even if you make it like wwe like Undertaker wasn't the apocalypse. He was the dead man. Uh, Kane was the, the dead man's Kane, little brother. Yeah, he was, he was the dead man's little brother. Like, I don't think there was an apocalypse. I mean, I mean, when I think of apocalypse outside of what you're talking about now or outside of its, uh, its place in literature and culture, I, I, th I think of X-Men. Right. Who, that was where I got the, the name from. Right. I actually got the name from Marvel's X-Men. My older brother was a huge comic book fan. He was an artist. And so that was kind of his suggestion to me. And 
I was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll roll with that. And I was a big fan of the character too, because in the comic book, his one-liners were just so ill. He would say some of the craziest things like, you know, just, you know, everybody who, who's watched X-Men, the anime series knows about Apocalypse's one-liners. He's got the greatest one-liners. And that's where I got my original name. But I never thought that people liked it. Or maybe I thought that I would never be able to like get it cleared in some sort of a copyright. Because I remember there was a game, Triple H lawsuit. Do you remember that? When the game, no, the rapper su either sued the WWE or the WWE sued the game. I can't remember who it was, but there was a legal issue between them for sure. I, I got to look this up because I'm, yeah. I'm curious. I also have a, a, a X-Men question for you. Yeah. Which, which, which mutant do you think has the best rap name? Like could launch a career with their, with their X-Men name? Honestly... I think Forge. Forge from X Factor. Um, I think that's a great one. Psylocke, she was an X-Man. Deadpool, it's also another one. That'd be a dope rap name. I think was Psylocke in, in Days of Future Past. Yeah, was she, the ninja, they, they were the teleporter, ninja. right? No, she was uh she was like oh. the purple ninja chick. <gasps> she was an apocalypse. Yeah. Okay, yeah, she was she an was apocalypse on Days of Future. I remember now. Yeah. Uh, who who you see? Yeah, Dead Deadpool. Deadpool's Deadpool could absolutely rap. I mean, Brian, Brian Reynolds. There is a there is a Domino rapper from L.A. and there is a Domino comic book character. So that that's actually and Domino common. was with uh, was with Deadpool and Deadpool too. Oh yeah, that's right. That was a great character. I I thought that I still I don't know if you remember this movie that came out back in the day. It was called Domino, and it was slightly based off that character, but it was like a super gritty, grounded reality like based bounty hunter type movie where they shot this dude's arm off like to get information out of him like they blew his arm out of like his socket or some shit and it was all gory yeah dog it was fucking crazy if you ever get a chance watch that movie because that movie i think is is based around that i got to uh the the other thing i saw in like rap news was it was it was either it was either uh oh shit who i think i think it was quavo he he got a gold rifle and he attached a chainsaw bayonet to it, and because it was okay. just right out of it was right out of Ge uh, Gears of War. Yeah, I like the way this is going already. Who is this? Uh, I think it was Quavo from from Migos. Oh man, see, I I'm in the club of people who don't know about who's in the Migos and not. But shouts out to Quavo for. Uh... Yeah. Okay. If I, yeah, I'll, I can I can share the screen, but I'll just do this for oh, now. Oh, that's ridiculous. He, he got, I right? want to be friends She's with like, him immediately. <laughs> I want to be friends with him. Imagine having that level of money where you're just like, okay, I think it's time to. Here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mute myself so I can play this video for you. Yep. Unbelievable. A gold M16 or M4, and it's got a chainsaw bayonet on it. That's straight zombie killer style for sure. I mean, you're, you're not able to see this. You're able to hear this. So I'm describing it to you. Uh, that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. He looks like one of those uh, warlords you see from Third he World Nations too in much Africa. Money. Yeah, he's got like hella money to gold plate all of his rifles and shit. He can do outrageous things like, yeah, I could see that. I personally, my dream 
weapon would be like a mounted Barrett 50 cal on like a high point on a hillside defense or something like that. It would be like mounted on like a seat that you could basically control and you could swivel out from like the side of a mountain and it's basically got the high position there. It's, that would be my dream, dream setup. But I, what I, here's the thing, money is not an issue. I have a shooting range in my house in the basement and I'm just, I probably get off 20,000 rounds a week, easy. So if we're talking survival or are we talking just like for fun? Cause I, I guess like if, if it's anything goes survival, I think, I always had this idea for a character. I know it's not like the most original idea. I'm sure there's examples of it in fiction, but I would want to have like old timey Western bounty hunter meets cyberpunk. And the main three weapons or the main weapons would be like three mechanical Android dogs. Like just these three robot hounds basically. Okay. I'm not mad at that. I think that there's some variation of that in Cyberpunk that I was seeing the other, uh, not the other day, but when Cyberpunk was kind of a thing. I can't believe how bad that game tanked. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was rushed. Obviously, I, I, I agree with sci-fi. I, I like how he put it, where the, the, the anger was being directed towards maybe the wrong people. Like, you should not shit on the developers who have dedicated years and years and years of their life to make this dream game come true. It was the people who rushed them. Well, I also think the expectations were way crazy. The expectations for that game were, in my opinion, so unrealistic. There was nothing that they were ever going to do to meet that. Yeah, but they 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 could have beat where they were with what with that, like just the basic glitches. Like they they could have just put together something that was completed at least. Well, the problem is, is that most people on console, or I'm sorry, most people on PC didn't have the problems that the people on console had. But there were so many more people True. with console out there. So they sold that to a market they shouldn't have even sold that to. In my opinion, there should have never been a console version, especially a pre-prior generation like Xbox One or whatever. Like, you kidding me? No way. Yeah, I mean, just look at uh, Star, C- Star Citizen. They know better to ever try and release that on a console. Yep. They And people ask them all the time, you guys are going to put it on a console? That's why. That's why they won't do it. Because there's really Don't no upside. want to be upside. a meme. Yep. There's no upside. What is the upside for them to put a game like that on a console? You get more people. You can uh, get memed. Uh, yeah, you're just gonna get memed. You're gonna get memed into the floor. Um, I, I don't feel like they intentionally tried to mislead people. I just think that they bit off more than they could chew. And when the, when it really came to see what they were holding, it was a lot of smoke and mirrors uh, for the previous generation and i think there wasn't enough time to refine the content and look at certain bugs because i think there were certain bugs where if the game file got too big it would basically erase your game file or your game file would become uncorrupted or something so it was shit like that it's like man if i played through that game 80 hours 100 hours 120 hours and then all of a sudden my file size got too big because you guys didn't fix that in the coding i'd be like man get out of here that's crazy you know, you know what game I have a lot of, I, I haven't played it. I, my brother was obsessed with it. I used to watch him play it. Um, and he wasn't obsessed with it. I shouldn't throw him under the bus like that. But um, Throwing his brother he, under the bus. But, but he loved World of Warcraft. And I got to say, a game to dominate its, uh, its arena for as long as it has, like the fact that it's still such a powerhouse, it really shows what a strong brand can do for you. Warcraft, didn't they have that movie uh, that came out recently in the last couple of years? That I don't know about. I, I, I just know that they've been, that they 
had their base game and they've just kept it alive with constant expansions to their universe and their lore. I know that's also a game that has fantastic lore behind it. Well, I say that because I think it's a testament to what you're saying, which is the power of that franchise being around for so long. And it just had a movie a couple of years ago. I think within the last three years, a Warcraft movie came out and it did pretty okay. Uh, I actually liked it. I thought it was a pretty decent movie. I mean, for what it was, it was better than some Lord of the Rings shit I saw. I don't know Lord of the Rings fans are going to kill me. For that. I was going to say, don't don't throw... Lord, Lord of the Rings is one of the best fantasy franchise movies ever to be released. Don't Rolling throw that under, under the bus. The bus. <laughs> but nah, yeah, I just looked it right. up. Warcraft was released in 2016. Okay, so four years ago. and Five years ago. And so, you know... For a game to come out in what 2000 to get a get a movie in 16 years later and it was received pretty well i don't don't i don't know if they stunk up the box office back when there was box offices and it was also it's it's a game that it created its own like it's not like for example i know star wars has a successful uh, mmo but um that's based on the success of an existing franchise that they then brought into the into the uh, universe. Uh, the Matrix was the same thing. I know the Matrix had its um, multiplayer game for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, it's that it didn't have success as the game. It had success as the movie franchise that then expanded into video games. Warcraft, it, it, it was a game that then ex- uh, expanded it into everything it is today, including its own South Park episode. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It didn't do, uh, it didn't, I mean, I don't know it branched out into books later, but it didn't come from books like The Expanse did, right? Uh, it was a no, game. That, yeah, it, it was a game. I, I think it was a game first. I'm pretty sure it was a yeah. game because it was, it was like a, a PC game. Like I remember, ha- <clears throat> excuse me, I remember having this, the, the CD games on our old computer, uh, like going all the way back to like 2000. Um, and probably even before that as well. Like I remember playing Age of Empires and Warcraft. I remember AOE. Did yeah, you all play, your base you SimCity, belong right? to us. Oh, I love SimCity. Yeah, I played Sim Earth. I think I played Sim Zoo or something like that. Roller Coaster Tycoon at that time. I think if I remember correctly, Max Payne. I remember playing Max Payne. Pretty tough. I remember seeing Max Payne when Xbox first came out and see like seeing the original max Payne and, and the slow motion bullets yep. going through people that was crazy that, that was, was crazy wild. i remember i had a laptop i was in the army i was I used to play that on my laptop it's one of the few games i could play on my laptop it was great the game was oh man shout out to all the max Payne pans uh, max Payne pants max Payne fans out there and then shout out the witcher Payne. oh we talked about that with sci-fi too i mean so i i haven't played the games um, but I, I'm familiar with the franchise, obviously. And it's just as far as like, we talked about the lore of Warcraft and how that's propelled it forward. I mean, you don't want to talk about lore. The Witcher is probably like, I don't know many books that are more successful than it because how many books launched a v- successful video game Well, I, The Expanse apparently was a book series that launched that show. See, that's insane. I mean, so, so that's books insane. to shows, books, books to shows, I can at least see more regularly it, it's not, it wasn't always the case but yeah books to games because that, that's a whole different like the storytelling re- required to move a game forward and the storytelling required to move a book forward and the storytelling required to move a show forward and the storytelling required to move a movie forward these are all different styles of storytelling Agreed. and if you're telling me a franchise was able to i mean I, the, there's no witcher movie but if you're telling me a franchise was able to get three of those mm. off of just one character that's insane 
Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty incredible. And this is why I think the power of being able to find that fan base who's really going to fuck with the shit that you're doing. The Witcher is a very kind of, I mean, even though it's still fantasy, it's still a different type of fantasy. It's like a real witchy if you if you want it's like monster like a lot of people don't fuck with monsters like that they're more into the the other sides of the fantasy element just the magic and the kingdoms and the castles and the the dress the renaissance it's more renaissance role play whereas in the witcher it doesn't make that shit look good at all it doesn't make it look sexy it's very like rugged and grounded and raw it feels like it anyway um but once again, I only saw made basically season one of the Witcher's show and only played about an hour or two of the game. The game was cool. I just kept getting lost as to where I was supposed to go. So, Do you think, not do you think, because I think it's pretty apparent that it has, but the shift in fantasy, you mentioned like Renaissance Fair and role-playing and things like that to now gritty, almost superhero style stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the conversation of, of nerd culture, it's taken on a bit of a different role lately. I mean, for one, just we have NBA players who have second jobs as video game streamers. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, it's it almost it's become cool. Like you're you're no longer the weird kid for liking Game of Thrones. You're you're, you're the cool kid for liking fantasy. Nerd nerddom has gone mainstream, and I think it's been mainstream since I don't know 2015, 2014. So, oh, see, that's almost kind of late in my opinion. Like, I almost think Iron Man made it cool. Really? Nah, I don't know about that. I mean, you might be right, but I would argue that I still thought that he was, look, a guy of that intellect, I seriously wouldn't doubt would look like Robert Downey Jr. It's possible, but unlikely. And so there was still this notion that you still had to be a cool, rich guy with that type of intellect and to be in, into that type of nerdy stuff. Um the perception of it was still the same. I feel like, I don't know if that's changed. That's fair. Um, Cause maybe, maybe what I could have said is I feel like that maybe triggered it and it didn't actually reach mainstream until, as you're saying, eight years later. Yeah. But now it's okay to like, people will call you a nerd or geek and mean that as a compliment. As a compliment yeah. or like girls on their social media, so on their dating profiles, like actively saying, I'm such a nerd, LOL, date me. And guys who having the same thing, I don't want to just say it's only one gender, but like mm-hmm. basically what I'm trying to say is like, you'll have girls saying I'm looking for a nerd, someone mm-hmm. to nerd out with me. Yeah. And I don't know if that's as common as maybe it may seem it to be because I don't, necessarily see or hear about that but i wouldn't be surprised if that's the case simply because there are more people more girls now who've grown up on computers who've grown up gaming who've grown up in households with games i'm sure they found their own you know niche and area as to what type of games that they like and i don't think it's on some well they got to play games that design for for girls because i mean i know a lot of girls women females whatever term you want to use that are very much into gaming culture, not because of it's sort of an attention thing, but they just like games. They're just a fan of gaming. And I hope that you'll start to see more of a commonality between men and women when it just comes to gaming in general, because there used to be a stigma that it was a primarily male, primarily nerdy, you know, in your mother's basement sort of thing where you don't get out and socialize. And I think now you're starting to see more more women say no i played call of duty growing up or i played 
uh mario brothers like i shit whatever it is nes sega sonic like how many girls you know didn't play sonic the hedgehog i i don't know (laughs) we bowling how about we bowling yeah well we bowling we sports yeah Yeah. i know a lot of women who played we sports when the Wii was popping but now i know a lot of women who play warzone and I also know that uh, like Pokimane is one of the largest streamers on Twitch, um, or she might even be the largest streamer on Sw- on mm-hmm. Twitch. Uh, like it's it's definitely, I know it's still skewed towards men, but it, it, it's the the female audience is certainly growing. Yeah, agreed. And I think it's cultural because in in Japan, I think it's about even uh, as far as gender. Man, shout out Japan. Or- Yes, I know for sure. Shout out Japan. But I also think that here in the West, the interests between men and women are substantially different. I don't think women are just as interested in gaming as guys are for whatever reason. In the same way, I don't think guys are as interested in fashion as women are. And that may be a gross generalization, but it 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 you could probably back that up with whatever statistics you want. But then we could also have, and I know this is not statistics, it's anecdotal, uh, but then you could also see the fusion of those two with cosplay, which brought together nerd yes. culture and fashion. You're right. You're right. And, and cosplay, I wish Trek would get their due with this because we were the first ones going up to conventions dressed like Klingons and shit. Vulcans. And now it's cool. And now it's cool. And we used to get ridiculed for it. And people make fun of Trekkies and stuff. And I feel like we made it cool to have conventions, cosplay, show up looking like a weird alien. Uh, that was us. Star Trek did that. So thank your lo- thank thank your nearest Trekkie whenever you feel like you want to put on a weird costume and go to a meetup with other weirdos and put on costumes with them. Thank a Trekkie day. <laughs> yep, because we made it cool. Um, but on that note, I mean, shit, you got anything else? Uh. Just, I just want to know when I should thank a Trekkie. That's about it. Ah, man. Anytime you see one. Anytime you see one. I mean, I feel like the Trekkies out there are the ones who paved the way for for it to be cool to be a nerd. I'm beginning my Trekkie watch today. I am going to watch. I'm going to start with Next Generation. I'm I'm going to, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to start my Trekkie journey by two o'clock central. All right. I got to finish the expanse. So I'll let you know how that goes. You let me know how your Trekkie journey goes. Sounds, yeah, you know what it's going to be? I'm going to, you're going to send me this. I am going to upload it and I'm going to start watching Star Trek. Sounds good. All right, guys. Well, we will see you guys next time. Uh, Check out our interview coming up Friday. Uh, What was the young lady's name? Michelle DeMuria from The Daring Foundation. Absolutely. Be Daring Foundation. It's a foundation that specializes in uh, destigmatizing mental health. Uh, conversations about mental health. So I think you guys will be very fascinated with that particular conversation. So for the Gray and Gold podcast, I'm Graydon Square. I'm RK Gold. Thanks for listening. Peace, peace.